Hi, Dr. Pat McGuire here. I have, over the last 30 years, worked with over 3,000 kids and their families dealing with behavioral issues. One issue that would come up at least half a dozen times each year would be where one of my patients was accused of being a bully. They would get in fights on the playground almost daily. And because of that, they would then lose the privilege for several days to a week at a time. These kids would be very upset because they felt like their side wasn't being heard. They were being told, take ownership of your own actions. Don't blame others for what you do. I'd like to, I'd like to tell you what I heard from these kids and how I helped them. Now, I'm going to use the name Charlie because Charlie is typical of a lot of the, the kids I took care of who had issues. And in my practice, as in many practices that deal with behavioral issues, there tended to be more boys than girls. Oftentimes, it'd be a four-to-one difference. And Charlie was no different than that. And this is his story and their stories. Charlie came in with his parents and they were very upset because nothing they would do would make Charlie stop fighting on the playground. And they were so mad that he wouldn't take ownership for his actions. And they told me that the school felt the same way. Well, I know there's always two sides to every story, even if one side is a little more unbalanced than the other. But I always feel it's important to learn from the child's perspective as to how they saw the situation un unfold and why they felt obligated to take the choice they did. So I brought out my whiteboard, which was well known by my kids in my practice. And I draw some stick figures because I'm not the best artist. But stick, fig stick figures do make sense. So I had one of Charlie, and then I drew a second one, and I said, okay, what's this kid's name? Who is this kid that you tend to fight with most often? And it was Sam. Now, when you talk about bullies, quite often bullies have a target. And it's not just random targets. It's usually a child that has vulnerabilities. But what's interesting in this case is that as I talked with Charlie, it was becoming much more obvious that Charlie was the victim and Sam was the bully. So as I walked through it, Charlie said he'd be out on the playground just doing something by himself, maybe catching a ball in the air or you know, uh, knocking you know, pebbles across the playground with his foot. And here would come Sam. And Sam would start verbally giving him some grief, you know, teasing him about what he was doing by himself, how nobody liked him. And then he'd try to take away the one thing that Sam was using to keep himself entertained. It might be that little pebble on the playground that he would keep kicking. It might be the ball he was throwing in the air. And Sam wanted it. 
Sam said, well, I want to play with you. I want to play with it too. But Charlie didn't want to because he knew that Sam wouldn't play fair. So he was telling Sam to go away. Leave me alone. I don't want to play with you. Leave my ball alone. Leave my rock alone. And Sam wouldn't listen. He would just get more in Charlie's face. Until it would reach a point where Charlie, feeling like he had no other option, would just push Sam away or knock him down so that hopefully Sam would leave him alone. Well, of course, the playground monitors would always see this last ep part of the episode, and they'd come over and they'd tell Charlie that he was in trouble for bullying Sam, for pu pushing him down, for yelling at him. And he was losing out on recess because of that. And that would make Sam very, Charlie very angry. And Charlie would say, but Sam started it. And there was Sam on the ground, maybe with a skinned knee, you know, looking like he was the hurt victim. But if you watched, you might see a little twinkle in his eye, like, I gotcha. Or at least that's what Charlie thought he was seeing. And this was going on for weeks at a time. And nothing that the adults would do would stop it because they were looking at Charlie as the bully and not Sam. So after I drew the two stick figures, then I said, okay, Charlie, let's figure out how, what can work. So the first choice you have been doing is you have been telling him to stop telling him to leave you alone. Now, that sounds reasonable. You know, the first thing you do is you ask them to be a better person, to just leave you alone, let you, you know, be by yourself because you weren't causing any trouble. And that didn't work. So then what did you feel like your next choice was? And Charlie would say, I needed to get them away from me. I needed to get Sam to leave me alone, to leave my rock alone or to leave my ball alone. And so I felt I had to push him away to get distance between us. Okay. And did it teach him to stop? Well, no, because every time I had playground, uh, you know, chances, he'd come out and start doing it again. Oh, so that, didn't work, but it was, a, it was a choice, it was an option. Are there any other possible things you could have done? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the teacher says if, if someone's picking on me that I should tell the playground monitor, but that's tattling. Oh, tattling, hmm. Well, let me tell you what I think tattling means. Now, does your school have rules about hitting? Yeah, that's why I keep getting in trouble. How about calling people names? Yeah. How about taking things that don't belong to them, which is called stealing? Yeah, there's rules against all of that. And do the teachers and the principal want to know if kids are breaking the rules? Oh yeah, they always tell us, you know, let us know so that, you know, we can keep this school safe. So if Sam is breaking a school rule, 
then it really is where the school wants you to be part of the team to help make it safe. So telling what Sam is doing is actually helping to make the school safer. Oh. Now, tattling, which is what the teachers don't want and the principal doesn't want, is when you complain to them about things that another child does that you don't like, but they aren't breaking the rules. Like if Charlie wants to play the game one way, I mean, if Sam wants to play the game one way and you want to play it another and you can't agree, then complaining to the teacher or the recess monitor that Sam's doing something wrong would be tattling. Now, if you just couldn't agree on how to play a game and you asked that adult for help deciding can you help us? Because we're not sure how to, you know, how to take care of this. That wouldn't be tattling. That would be seeking help. So if Sam is saying things against you, if Sam is trying to take something from you, you those are things you need to tell the teacher or the recess monitor because they are breaking the school rules. If Sam is just doing something different than the way you want to do it, and it just makes you unhappy, but it's not in the school rules, you know, telling on him then is tattling. If you and Sam want to play together but can't agree on the rules, asking for help to figure out the differences is also a good thing. So let's see. You said Sam was calling you names. Sam was picking on you. Sam was trying to take your stuff away. Those are rule-breaking actions. So what could you do if Sam didn't just listen to you when you asked him to leave you alone? What could you do next? Well, I could tell the recess monitor. Okay. And if you tell the recess monitor, will you get in trouble? Well, no, because I'm telling them about rules that are being broken in school. That's right. Will Sam get in trouble? Well, yeah, because Sam is the one breaking the rules. Now, if Sam keeps getting in trouble, which might also mean losing recess time, will he begin to not want to pick on you? Well, it makes sense to me because if you keep losing out by picking on someone, you know, you're not getting what you want. Very good. Okay, Charlie, let's think about this also. What is another option? And Charlie wasn't sure. I may have said Sam before, but it was Charlie. Charlie wasn't sure. So I said, well, you know, some kids have told me when they've had this situation, we've talked it through, that they go to a different part of the playground where they're closer to some other kids and then their bully leaves them alone. Do you think that would help you if you went to play closer to another group of kids or maybe with those kids if they are playing a game you want? Well, yeah. So if you go play with another group of kids, will you get in trouble with the recess monitor? No. How about if you play with a group of kids and Sam leaves you alone, will he get in trouble? Well, no, 
is it okay if he doesn't get in trouble as long as he's leaving you alone? Well, sure, I'm not looking to get him in trouble. I just want him to leave me alone. Okay, so let's look at what all your options are. First, you could tell him to leave you alone or not take your things. And if that works, great. Second, you could tell the recess monitor and Sam will get in trouble, so eventually he'll stop picking on you because he loses rather than you. Third, you go play by with some other kids and you won't get in trouble because you're not doing anything wrong. Charlie, if he leaves you alone, won't get in trouble because he's not doing anything wrong. And you'll get to enjoy yourself. And the fourth option would be to knock, Char knock Sam over and, you know, get him to, you know, leave you alone. But that seems like it always gets you in trouble. So do you think you'll use the, the pushing one or the knocking over one very often? Not if I can help it, because now I know some other things I can do. Now, it's really neat that these kids then go back to the schools, and sometimes they need a couple more visits with me, to work on the issues that come up that they're not sure how to deal with. But then things tend to settle down because they now understand and they have at the top of their brain options that they hadn't considered possible before. Now, occasionally, about once a year, one of the kids will come back in a few months later and they're having troubles again and it has always turned out to be where the adults in the situation are not backing my Charlies up. They're telling them to just ignore this kid or bring it up in conflict resolution group, but they're not dealing with it at that instance. And in most cases, the situation escalates until finally my Charlie has to push again, and then he's in trouble. These are instances where I then have the parents go back to the school and explain the situation and advocate for the adults to listen to Charlie. These kids need to be taught the different options when they're feeling scared or threatened. But if we don't back up those options, then they're going to resort back to the default of fight and flight, which is if I can't get them just by talking to them, I begin to then push back physically. So for this next week, for those that are going to be with some kids, be it at home or in a childcare setting, because there are many schools across the country that won't be open for the next few weeks because of the coronavirus, I want you to look at if that supposed bully is actually the victim. If he's the one that's being set up and the other kids willing to get knocked around a bit just to get this other kid's goat, just to get this other kid in trouble because they think it's funny. Look around and see if that might be happening. And if it is, work to change it so that the Charlies of the world don't become more 
jaded and feel like they always have to defend themselves because they won't ever get any support from others. We have to support our Charlies and we have to give them the skills to get beyond the fight or flight responses that they have been living with. So until next time, this is Dr. Pat.